Welcome to episode 116 of the Canadian Prepper Podcast, recorded May 9th, 2021. My name is Ian. I live on Vancouver Island. I'm a student preparedness target shooter and my farm's designated slightly below average handyman. I'm Alan. My camera's off for everyone's safety, apparently. Uh, I'm a safety trainer, first responder, security expert, and overall safety nerd. Uh, I'm Scott. I'm the frazzled new dad and paramedic based all over Ontario. Uh, and yeah. Overall swell guy. <laughs> well, thanks. And I'm Jeff. I'm based in central Ontario. I'm a target shooter, soon-to-be ham radio operator, and general overall handyman. I'm Merrick's designated drinking buddy whenever he wants to show up on the show. Uh, want to help support the show and keep the Canadian Prepper Podcast on the air? Buy some swag. We have both the Canadian Prepper Podcast t-shirt and the tactical Velcro patch at uh, prepperpodcast.ca. All proceeds help keep the lights on and the backup generator fueled. And if you're enjoying the show, please take a few minutes and like us on Facebook and submit a review on iTunes. We also want your feedback, good or bad, or just if there's a topic you want us to cover, you can email us at feedback at pepperpodcast.ca. It doesn't work nearly as well when I have to read my own dad jokes on the air, but we have some literary content for you this episode. That was low. I know. That was really low. We're going to start off with some corona-related news, it turns out, because I actually effed with Eric's show notes, and now I have to read them, which is even worse. <laughs> uh, next, we will let you know what we did for preparedness since our last episode, then we'll get into the main topic, our books on hand, what Eric hasn't read, or what we'd like to have. Loose time, I guess. So, uh, for myself, yeah, uh, C10. Uh, you guys have heard about the privacy, or sorry, I guess social media bill that's going through Parliament? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they've been swearing up and down, like typical politicians will, that it, don't worry, it won't apply to the average person. Uh, average person's privacy will you know, be maintained. They won't get censored, everything else. And they're like, unless they have a lot of followers, <laughs> in which case, yeah, we're still going to censor them and everything else. And decide to treat them as a publisher and they'll have all the commercial laws that they're trying to write applied to them as well. So basically it won't apply to the average Joe until it actually does. So thank you CTV news for pointing out that politicians talk out of both sides of their mouth. Yeah. So what, what I also heard on that is the government says they won't censor you, but if the company, so Facebook, YouTube, whoever, doesn't censor you, then the government could censor them because they didn't censor you. So they're just, it's just a roundabout way of uh, of saying we're not going to do it, but we're going to do it. It wasn't us. It was those. It was those platform guys that censored you. Like I mean, you still have your charter rights. Exactly. That's what they're trying to say. Yep. <laughs> Remember that everything before the butt is bullshit. Exactly. <laughs> we won't censor you, but. Yeah. Uh, the other news article I had was Global News, and it was just regarding uh, Manitoba just joining the, the in crowd, it seems, by introducing a bunch of really harsh, over-the-top measures that didn't help last time, but will definitely help this time regarding public shutdowns of various services and you know new public health orders, basically. So, really, Manitoba? Like, critical thinking? Anyway. I swear, maybe this time it'll be different. You don't have to leave. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so... Anyway, yeah, it was just uh, just frustrating to watch that all these provinces just go, well, they're doing it, so we should probably do it too so we don't get, you know, crap later on or something. I don't even think they're doing any sort of, like, I don't know, planning or thinking or financial, uh, you know, repercussion studies or anything, but anyway. Unless you're in Calgary and then they'll arrest you in the middle of the street and drag you away, so. 
that was quite the uh, quite the scene in Calgary there with the uh, the minister, wasn't it? It was. Anyway, out uh, of everything else that's going on, that's what we're worried about. Yeah, I have something to worry about. Uh, so, a known group of cyber criminals has successfully launched a ransomware attack against an, an American company which operates major pipelines for refined fuel products and provides nearly half the gasoline, diesel, and jet fuel for the East Coast, like 45%. Oh. Um, the attack happened on Friday. It's still an issue today, uh, so we'll, we'll see what the price of gas is going to do because of it. Uh, supposedly, this group only targets wealthy corporate, uh, corporate deep-pocketed groups. Uh, you know, they don't hit schools or hospitals because there isn't the money in it to to pay their ransom. Uh, but it just absolutely highlights the vulnerabilities in our aging infrastructure system. Um, you know, all the articles you read about it sort of starts going down that uh, that track. So the scary extension being. Um, you know, while this is the oil pipeline, there have been computers that got the ransomware. It just shows how vulnerable the system is. And with the, the power grid, all these large companies might have cybersecurity people, but all the little companies, the little local electric companies might not, but they're all linked, so they become a vulnerability to the whole system. Um, you know, this group is motivated by money, but if someone has more malicious intent... Who knows what uh, what could happen? And it's a little concerning. Yeah, actually, uh, this is the first I've heard about it, to tell you the truth, uh, to, once I saw the show notes. But is this the same Line 5 that's going to be shutting down, or is this a different pipeline? This is different. Oh. This is um, a U.S. company. Uh, they manage, I think it's 5,500 miles of major pipeline. Like, they're one of the biggest players in, uh, in the game. They're based in Georgia. Uh, but they f- supply just literally it's 45% of the fuel, like right down to the gas station level. There's apparently, you know, refuel every few days. But, uh, you know, if, if this drags on more than a day or two, um, there has the potential to be big impacts. Yeah, it's hard to come off as a Robin Hood when you pick on small companies. So I can see why they're going after the big companies and not the hospitals, right? But because, you know, there's still the odd person going to be like, yeah, stick it to the man. But, um yeah, that's bad news, especially if they can sit there and, you know, do it repeatedly. Well, and I mean, you know, thankfully these guys are motivated by money, so they're not interested in, you know, damaging the system that earns the money that they're trying to steal or ransom. Yeah. Uh, whereas if there's someone who has more malicious intent and wants to damage infrastructure, you now it's just this computer or that computer if they're getting into the system. So, Wasn't this a diehard movie? That was airplanes in the air, wasn't it? Uh, no, that was Die Hard Two. Uh, Die Hard, I think Die Hard Five. Oh jeez. Uh, live for your Die Hard. Pretty sure. <laughs> Justin well, Long was in that. Oh one. yeah, Timothy Oliphant or somebody like that was a hacker and was erasing yeah. people's savings. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I remember that one. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so yeah. They start to blur after a while. Yeah. <laughs> that yeah, is the snail. I only watched it at Christmas time. Yep. <laughs> pretty sure. Pretty sure that's what this was. Yeah. <laughs> We're gonna we're gonna pull a move from Superman three, so nobody will nobody will expect it. <laughs> so what uh, Ian mentioned there, it's uh, my thing in the show notes is about uh, the line five, which basically um, people that don't know you should. It's uh, basically a line that runs from out west 
geeks a bit through the United States, specifically through parts of Michigan and then into Ontario to the refineries in Sarnia. And it supplies a substantial amount of, again, same as that other um, pipeline for uh, refined fuel products, gasoline, diesel, jet fuel, and that for Ontario, Quebec, and some of the, uh, some of the further east. Uh, the deadline is looming this week. It's May 12th. Um, Enbridge has basically said, um, we're not going to shut down unless we get an order from the courts. The Michigan government did try to take it to court and the court sent it back uh, asking for a, another attempt at a mediation. So we'll have to see where that goes, what happens. Um, I don't think we'll see anything in the near future. I mean, it would be really bad if they shut it down on May 12th and this other pipeline isn't back up yet. Uh, but with all the potential court appeals and whatever, I can't, I can't see something happening in the near future. But I've been wrong before. Well, thank goodness for long-winded lawyers, right? <laughs> <laughs> for once they have a use, that's good. <laughs> um, because of the pipeline shut or the, the cyber attack that I was talking about, apparently they've changed the rules in the states around uh, trucking hours to allow tr realizing they're going to need to have more trucks delivering fuel. So I think we're going to see a lot more rail car, a lot more trucks on the road, uh, if there's enough capacity to, to make up for it. Because you're right, Jeff, the shutdown is potentially really bad news. Yeah, yeah and, and I mean, you're, you're right about the, the trucking and the rail and all that. But, I mean, that takes a lot longer time and you had deliver considerably less product than you can to run it through a pipeline. So it will definitely have a massive impact for sure if they uh, if it gets shut down. Okay, it's like the Berlin airlift of the semi-truck world or something. Just try and keep the keep the thing supplied with a, a small amount of uh, lift capability anyways. But uh, Okay, well, I guess time to move on to what we've done lately for preps. Uh, Eric decided to bail on us here tonight. So off to me. Uh, Worked on the solar battery charging system. I think I sent you guys some pictures there. Just uh, working on that little kind of power distribution box for like iPhones and uh, drone batteries and stuff like that. Can't seem to get the little voltage regulators to power down the voltage to the proper amount for the drone batteries and stuff and, and an actual USB cords. So working on that. Maybe I just got bad transformers or something. But anyway. Uh, let's see here. Bought a drone pilot logbook to avoid the fines while I'm working on the recce flights around the acreage because I guess with all these new regulations coming, they're getting stiffer fines and everything else. I just want to have all my little paperwork in order so when the designated government drone shows up, I can just go, here, paper. <laughs> and um, figure, I think it was 13 bucks or something like that, so it's just going to save me a hassle down the road. So anyways, I put a link down below. We'll talk about that later. Uh, did some power line maintenance. Just had some branches sticking out where they shouldn't stick out and try to keep the fires down for yeah, the inevitable fire season is dry time. So um, just trying to do that before the chainsaw ban came into the, this year. Uh, we had shearing day this week. Uh, yay. So the alpacas got their head shaved as usual. And uh, like I said in the show notes, almost no injuries. <laughs> so <laughs> I, uh, Did you get spit on? How, how many stitches? Uh, actually, believe it or not, no stitches. And uh, the best part was, it was like I had those old style sheep shears where you have to kind of like manually put the blades together and then, they, then you start shearing and stuff. And I managed to get my finger just on the back end. And it was just like, yeah, uh, just, oh, yeah, just a tiny little cut cut. So no big deal. Um, 
And then, uh, yeah, speaking of getting spit on, so I had my oldest daughter, who's, of course, home from university now uh, because it's all done. And I said, well, congratulations, you're being pressed into service. And uh, so I had her on, you know, head maintaining duty while they were flipping the alpaca around. And she was good right up until the last alpaca. Then all of a sudden, it decided it had enough. So it sounded like Chewbacca for about three minutes and all of a sudden started spitting wildly. And uh, one of my buddies and my daughter kind of got... the full brunt of a full-on bile spit like there's three levels of spit like there's air spit where they're just kind of giving you a warning food spit where they just food whatever food's in their mouth and then they when they hawk up the loogie they get the bile spit going and that's the stuff that smells like ass so, <laughs> so she got literally just like a full that's shotgun gross. blast right and she's like dad that's why i wore a raincoat I'm like well <laughs> true but please don't let that raincoat back in the house Anyway, so uh, yeah, I did. I came away pretty much scot free, which was the important part, I guess, right? <laughs> it's What's funny because it's not me. Yeah, that's right. It happened to you. Uh, <laughs> see here, that's nothing in the show notes there. Um, yeah, as far as that, I, as you can tell by my glorious uh, background here, I'm back to the grind. So um, yeah, just hanging around waiting to work. So no further prep work really to be done, except for maybe programming a radio or two here and there, and that's about it. Cool. I'll- I um I did some more work on my radios. I actually found a way to run the cable that I couldn't get from my antenna. Um, so my radio, my antenna is now set up on my truck. Um, got some new radios from Rapid Survival. Uh, getting those programmed. Ian and I we were supposed to connect before the show, but other things happened instead. Um, so we'll find some time to do that while you've got nothing better to do where where you are. Um, lots of training. Uh, lots of time at work. It's been a busy few weeks at work, and then uh, getting out in the garden, getting that uh, ready to plant. Um, I think we started some of our plants a little too early this year, but we're uh, we'll find the balance eventually. Get the uh, we get seventy two tomato plants, and we got fifty pounds of tomatoes in the ground or potatoes in the ground, I should say, and uh, a whole ton of herbs. We're planting basically a salsa garden, is is what we're doing, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, that's been. Uh, that's been my week. Oh, finally scheduled the scheduled the demolition of the old garage and get the uh, the foundation scheduled for the for the replacement. So that's crazy exciting. It's going to be uh, I should be in it before the first of October. It should be all done and dusted with my in floor heating and all that good stuff. So that's nice. my uh, that's my next project. Actually, I got to link up with Gavin and find a wood stove for it. So. Actually, just a quick question: Has the commodity price changes, like with lumber and everything else, has that affected? Uh, did they change their code on you or anything else? Are they kind of like locked into a price, or how does that work? Um, well, I've been updating my prices as I go um, mm. because I figured that was going to happen. Um, so the concrete's actually not so bad; it's a little bit more than what I was originally planning, but it also allows for uh, it's there, it also includes an allowance for the in-floor heating that I wasn't originally going to do. Uh, my original design was for a two-story garage, which has now come down to like one and a one and a half stories, and so I'm kind of offsetting the increased lumber price with the reduced volume of lumber that I need. It's still going to suck, but it's not. It's it's going to be at least a year before the prices go back down, and I just can't wait that long. That's fair. What uh, what's your in-floor heating going to be? Uh, it's going to be a glycol system, and um, I'll I have uh, I have the the guy coming tomorrow to do an actual like to to, to walk me through the system. But um, the plan is that because I have to take up the first cut of the concrete in my driveway, I'm going to run a loop out there as well, so that the first 
um, like the first section doesn't get frosted over and like my garage door won't won't freeze shut um, with the eye that if it ever needs to be done, I can extend that loop out further into the driveway and have less driveway to shovel in the winter. That does sound exciting. Yeah. Yeah. I, a friend of mine, a friend of mine taught me or talked to me about that. He's a plumber and he said, if you're going to do in-floor heating, make sure you make an allowance for this so that if you ever have the opportunity to replace your driveway, you have the infrastructure in place to be able to add that loop and you will never have to shovel your driveway again. And you will be, you, you, you all of your neighbors will be envious. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I have absolutely no problem with that at all. <laughs> what, uh, what's the heat source for the ethylene glycol? Is it like a natural gas or propane or electric? Uh, this one, it's a, it's going to be an electric water heater in this case. Okay. Cause there's no, there's no gas going to the garage. So. Okay. Cool. Yeah. yeah. Basically it's a big water heater with a loop and a pump. Nothing wrong with that. No. Nope. Uh, so in terms of my prep stuff, uh, I got also got some new uh, radio gear from Rapid Survival. Uh, my comms plan admittedly was lacking a handheld option, so I got a portable and some of the matching accessories. So I'm quite uh, quite excited to start playing with that. Um, I just came up with Eric's new intro line. It's going to be great. <laughs> I'm Eric. I sell radios and radio accessories. <laughs> the Hank Hill of the prepper world. And it was a fairly uh, quiet week for me. I just did a little bit of property maintenance, uh, you know, cleaning out the eave trough, getting rid of all of the dead branches and stuff that fell off the trees in the winter, and a little bit of general maintenance around and. Did a bit more firewood, not a lot. Um, this wasn't one of those more motivating weeks for me, but uh, it is what it is. And just in the live chat there, Brad Taylor said, time to fuel up. Uh, absolutely, if you haven't, uh, you need to get there. We're not sure exactly what or when things may happen, but you, the last thing you want to do is get caught. That's why we're preppers. Or just ro at least rotate the gas you have and, you know, give it a try or something yeah. like that. Yeah. Cool. I uh, guess it's time to move on to the main topic of the show. So, uh, Alan, take it away. What's in our library? It's a, uh, I mean, man, this could, this could go on for days if we really wanted it to. I know. <laughs> <laughs> um, so my, my first intro into survival and outdoorsy type things was the SAS Survival Manual. A little palm-held, like palm-sized book. It was about 450 some odd pages. I actually still have it. It's uh, I think it's in my in my oldest child's room right now. Um, got it more probably 20 years ago. That was the kind of the the, the intro, and that kicked everything off for me. Uh, I'm a big fan of Les Stroud's books. He's got a few of them out. Um, like the first one is you know, just the survive. It's just his survival survival book, which is a lot of a lot of fun. Um, he has another one called The Will to Live, which I also really enjoy. That talks more about the psychology behind. Um, people who survive difficult situations than the actual survival mechanisms, you know, the actual skills they used, which again, I really enjoyed. And on top of being a great resource, he's an excellent storyteller, which makes it more palatable to read an otherwise potentially dry topic. Um, big shout out to Dr. Alton and Nurse, Nate, Nurse Amy. We've had them on the show a couple of times. We'll hopefully have them back again. Um, the entire series, their entire series, as well as their blog uh, and their website, Doom and Bloom. Uh, absolutely fantastic. Um, their survival medicine handbook was one of the first, um, one of the first 
advanced first aid books that I ever got. And it was kind of my, my intro into, into that world, which was fantastic. Um, home renovation books and magazines and um, the Home Handyman series. It's a, a uniquely Canadian thing. I don't even know if it's out on the, out on the West Coast, but um, we see, I see them here on magazine racks in, like, you know, in Shoppers Drug Mart or wherever uh, pretty regularly. They're usually about 200 pages, and they've just got a whole bunch of how-tos of really random things, which is great. Um, Home Depot used to have a little book section, which I enjoyed. It's largely gone these days, but um, they were a good resource. Uh, I see Scott's got the the Home Depot one, two, three books. Those exact bookshelf in the Home Depot you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I've got I've got the same books. I, I got them. Uh, they were gifted to me when I bought my first house more years ago. Well, I've got I've got a couple of them too. So yeah, and they're 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 fantastic resources. Like some of it, some of it's kind of basic, and it's not going to turn you into a home builder in any way. Um, actually, Fine Home Building put out. A series of books for a while. Uh, um, I got I got one on carpentry and one on drywall, and those are they they read like textbooks, um, written by people who've been doing the job for 20, 30 plus years. And here's your best practices along with your practical skills. So I really enjoyed those. Um, I have a ton of first aid um, first aid books. Uh, I actually had <laughs> because I'm this level of safety nerd. I actually had a collection for a few years of old first aid manuals um, dating back to the you know the late 19th century uh, I had probably 30 or 40 of them from different years from different uh, from different organizations I donated them all to a uh, to a museum at one point when I was moving but um, I have a ton of like literally thousands of specific skill general skill survival first aid outdoors camping field manuals from um, various militaries around the world uh, on PDF. Um, so I, I spend a fair bit of time cruising uh, pdfdrive.com. Not an ad, I'm not affiliated with them in any way. I just really enjoy their services. It's a, it's a searchable database of 80 million some odd books that have been scanned into PDF. And it's not quite as um, user-friendly as a Kindle app where you can bookmark pages and highlight things. But in terms of having access to the information, um, I have literally thousands and it's all free access to those things, to those books. So, um, and I have them, you know, I have them stored online, backed up on thumb drives, etc. And it's a great, um, uh, great resource. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Darius Cater put out, um, uh, Northern Bushcraft by Morse Kachansky. Um, everything by Morse Kachansky was fantastic. I think that again, it was one of the one of the first books that I got. I think I still, well, I definitely still have that one, um, <laughs> except for a couple of back pages that I used one time to to, to light a fire in the rain. <laughs> <laughs> a couple of the index pages are missing. Um, but, <laughs> but that, uh, yeah, more more is great. Uh, he passed away recently, unfortunately, but he was uh, he was a phenomenal resource of. Um, just everything to do with living in the wild. He would not have appreciated that I used his book instead of making my own feather sticks. <laughs> yeah, or using some old man's beard or something. Yeah, that PDF drive com, uh, dot com. That's actually I've used that quite a bit too. I mean, it's all downloadable. It's all free, which yeah. is it's beautiful and it's amazing what is on there for sure. That's uh, and you can. I mean, you can get an entire an entire university education with the textbooks and things that are on there. Um, there's no limit to the amount of, of information that's available just from that one website. 
Well, it's like, actually, I think they have like 80 million, 80 million books currently, and it, and it just keeps climbing. Yeah, I'm glad you brought up that uh, Les Stroud's books too, because like that, you know, the, the, again, we've talked about it before, but the psychology of survival that's can often overlooked, and it's actually a pretty important topic, and yet there's very little covered with it. Like, it's not a popular topic, right? It's not as, as tactical or anything. Mm. Well, I mean, we, we long use the word the, the rule of threes, right? You can go three minutes mm -hmm. without air, three hours without shelter, three days without water, three months, three weeks without food, not three months. Um, but you'll go three seconds without hope. Yeah. If you don't have the will to live, the rest of that doesn't matter. So true. Yep. So I love collecting knowledge. It's kind of why I'm here. You know, the, the tagline of the podcast uh, <laughs> really drew me in. Uh, you know, back in the good old days when well, you could just well, <laughs> I fell for it. Uh, back in the good old days when you could wander around the bargain section of chapters and just find some interesting, potentially random book. Like I love having that kind of stuff on my bookshelf that uh, you know, batteries are never going to run out. There's never going to be a compatibility problem. There's you know, a book. Um, so I totally agree with you, Alan, like those practical Home Depot, one, two, three style, uh, if I need to repair my house, you know, I can at least know what's supposed to be there or, you know, get a sense of what someone else would need to be doing to repair it. Um, you know, so framing structure, electrical plumbing, plumbing code, uh, all of those things, I think that's a tremendous resource. Um, along well, that same plumbing code, plumbing code is easy. Don't need a specific book for that. Shit rolls downhill. Don't look your fingers. Paydays on Friday. That's all you need to know about plumbing. I, I knew all three of those rules. Um, so along that same train of thought, there's the, uh, the Haynes manuals that you can get for pretty much any vehicle out there. Um, they do a complete teardown, take pictures of uh, all the different components as they're doing it. Um, it tends to be broken down into the, the specific vehicle and a range of model years that it applies to kind of between the manufacturers retweaking things. Um, they're great. Uh, you know, it's sort of a simplified mechanics manual. I like it, you know, so I can figure out, okay, I can change this bulb easy. I'm not ready to rebuild the transmission, but you know, at the same time, if things go terribly wrong in the world and I have to figure out how to repair something, it's just nice to have that, uh, that resource available. It's just, I mean, simple stuff, you know, like how many pound, uh, you know, pound feet of torque needs to be on the lug nuts when I put my winter tires on. Um, anyway, so that's, that's always handy. Um, lots of, you know, the prepper's guide to dot, dot, dot books, just cause they're kind of the fluff that's fun to read. Um, you know, the same kind of bushcraft books. Uh, I also really like paper maps. They're, um, you know, sort of being able to look at a whole map if the internet is down and sort of no, yep, yep, there's a road here. Perfect. Uh, I, I see value in that. Um, it, it wraps on top of maps. Those are great things to have on oh, hand. Oh, absolutely. To be able to intelligently read a top of map and sort of discern a lot more information, like it's just such a useful thing. Um, some books on food storage. The uh, Our episode a week or two ago talking about host favorites got me listening to the canning one and I'm looking forward to trying strawberry jam when uh, they're in season in a month or two. Nice. Um, some medicinal plants of Canada. I thought that was an interesting one. Um, I don't have Dr. Alton's books yet. 
but they will certainly be added to that uh, that section. Uh, and like Alan, I also have a whole lot of regular medical books and some <laughs> first aid books from the turn of the century, just because it's really interesting. Um, I have a section of books that I haven't really gotten into yet, but I like having around. I'm not ready to build a log home or to be a backyard blacksmith. Um, but having the, uh, the knowledge for those things or the, you know, weather interpretation or uh, there's a great book on maker skills. It's by a, a guy who's on a few of the Discovery Channel shows that MacGyver's junk together for these fantastic projects. You know, they collect uh, obtainium is what they <laughs> sort of describe when they're scrounging parts. Um, so anyway, it's, it's that sort of kind of knowledge that would be really helpful if, um, you know, if all, the, all of a sudden I'm responsible for doing a whole lot more things than I was, used to be. Um, I have some fiction and nonfiction, kind of like biography sort of stuff. Um, you know, a lot of, uh, you know, the, the Les Stroud books. Um, Neil Strauss <laughs> has a great book uh, called Emergency. Um, and it's uh, sort of talking about his journey, thinking about these, these things that, uh, that we talk about. And he's, he's a very entertaining author. In terms of the fiction, um, you know, it, it kind of scares you to go through these ugly scenarios and uh, project them onto you know, our, our situations and sort of think about, oh, gosh, I am not prepared for dot, dot, dot. Um, anyway, I, I kind of think it's the whole point of our, our book club to you know, talk about some of these interesting ideas that uh, someone has taken the time to play out the EMP idea and see what the cons consequences are going to be on these fictional characters. And <laughs> by extension, we can figure out what the consequences would be on us. Um, hey, um, just to interject real quick, we were when we were talking about maps, I just did a quick search to see what I could find for buying topographical maps for my area. Turns out the government of Ontario actually has a really cool tool on their website that will allow you to make your own topo map as big or as, like, as, as wide or as narrow a view as you'd like, down to the street names in anywhere in the province, as well as all the all the features around it, all the bodies of water, the county lines, the road lines, the municipal lines. Property lines. And, then, and property lines. And you can print them yourself. So you can either print, if you have a quality printer on your own, you can do that or you can send it to Staples. I, uh, I actually have used that website. I uh, did a great big topo map uh, spat out the PDF, sent it to Staples to have it printed. I think it was on 11 by 17. Like it was sort of great big, mm -hmm. and it's a fantastic website. Um, yep. You can also control these, uh, it, do satellite photography or topo, or mm -hmm. kind of fade in between. So you can sort of move the slider and get a really good look uh, look at it. So that's yeah. So I, I just found that, and that's it's a, this is amazing. So I think I'm going to print a few that. Um, so we've always talked about having backups on backups. So we'll print a couple of maps that have for the, for the vehicles that have our designated meeting points and our alternate routes to things. That's actually that's, if you uh, put that in the show notes for sure, that'd be great. Every time I go to look it up, I just do make a topo Ontario and uh, it's the link comes up quite, uh, quite quickly. So well, sorry. fantastic okay. website. 
our tax dollars actually doing something useful. That's good. <laughs> uh, Darius points out uh, that I guess the Haynes manuals were originally designed for military techs who didn't have time to learn the entire vehicle, which makes sense because, I mean, they give enough details and enough specs to be able to pull it off without foreknowledge, I guess. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Anyway, I think they're a fantastic resource. Um, I have a great little book from Lee Valley that has an endless amount of useful figures, sizes, constants, formulas, everything in it. Uh, it's it's great because you're looking up like you know what what size pilot Is hole that little, that little uh, mechanics or handyman's helper that little reference book. Yeah, it, I mean it's just like a little pocket sized book. Yeah, it's probably yeah, the pocket, pocket reference or whatever. And it's yeah, got it's sections on absolutely every industry, every mm -hmm. subject matter. Um, you know, so you know how much does a, a cubic yard of gravel weigh, and you know, or what's the the sizing for this bolt? Or, like it's anyway, just one of those things that is absolutely invaluable on a not infrequent basis. Yeah, no, I've, I've had I've had copies of that before. So I had one, my dog chewed it, so it gave me reason to buy an updated one. <laughs> um, one of my favorites, though, is this little one-page sheet jokingly titled, Hang This Up in Your Time Machine. Uh, and it's all about the, these useful technology and how we would recreate, recreate them if we went back in time. Um, so I, I put a, a screen grab of it in the, uh, in the show notes, um, just because it's really interesting when you look at it and think, yeah, if you had to recreate, you know, flight technology, yeah. technology, antibiotics, radio systems. So that's pretty uh, cool. What was that movie? Um, Connecticut Yankee and King Arthur's court. There were a couple <laughs> of versions of it and it goes back. He has to go back in time. He ends up back in time and, and has to like recreate a whole bunch of things. And he, he, he gets called a wizard because he knows things like, how to mix brass and copper together to make, um, sorry, brass and zinc together to make copper. Copper zinc to make brass, sorry. I don't even know it, but right? <laughs> he's, got, he's got those basic, those basic skills that, that make him look like an absolute, an absolute genius when it's stuff that we, we just know. Wasn't that a yeah, Mark Twain novel originally? Yes, it was. Yep. And uh, I think Dean Martin was in the original version, and they did a remake in the early 90s. Disney did it called The Kid in King Arthur's Court. Yeah, Greatest American Oddball or something like that. or Yeah. It was some weird thing like that, yeah. Yep, something like that. Uh, I'll just get a, get a copy of that later on. That looks pretty cool. Um, it's, it's a funny read, and so I hang it prominently in my TARDIS. So. It's important. <laughs> and it's got new nerd. Oh, totally. I'm a nerd in all areas, not just safety. Excellent. Jeff. So, uh, admittedly, this is my very, or, or this will, this is my weakest area. I don't have a lot of books or plans or whatever. I've got a few of those DIY books, like that you guys covered, the one, two, three of electrical and plumbing and that kind of stuff. But pretty well, everything I got, I either self-taught and learned trial and error or uh, I got it from my father who was uh, very mechanically inclined shall we say so I've picked up a ton of hints so far off of this for books and ideas and things that I probably should be adding to my uh, extremely limited collection so uh, I've actually gotten a lot out of this already so cool 
Yeah, um, as for myself, uh, avid reader from an early age, so I've been like devouring books like crazy. So if I were to list them off, it would be very boring. So uh, a couple ones to stick out. Has that stopped you? Well, <laughs> that's true. Actually, I should just go with spurg out on this. But anyways, um, yeah. Okay, so a couple things that stuck out during the course of my life that uh, you know made a big impact, or I guess really stirred up interest. It's going to sound corny, but the first one was the Boy Scout Manual, and um, because it's actually not a bad book. It's got I, a, I have one from the uh, from the from the late fifties sitting, yeah. sitting on my bookshelf, and yeah, it's it's a great resource. And surprisingly, I was uh, you know I didn't realize how well rounded of a book that was because it wasn't just outdoor survival; it was tying knots. It was like you know basic animal husbandry. It was everything because you're all trying to learn all these you're trying to learn all these or earn all these badges. So they're trying to give you like a kind of a, a rough rundown of everything which kind of stirs your interest to explore more topics or at least more in, in, uh, in depth into topics. So I, uh, I held my Boy Scout manual, I think, until I moved to Ontario. So it was most of my life. And then finally I just gave it away to Goodwill because I figured somebody else could use it. But by then it was probably so out of date, it was painful. But anyway, uh, so I definitely enjoyed that. I think I still got a digital copy somewhere as well. Um, one that also came out in 1958, but it was still relevant back in the 80s when I was using it was uh, one called A New Way of the Wilderness. And it was basically a canoeist's guide to Canada. And uh, But of course, as a canoeist, you're going to have lots of reasons to want to know how to figure out what wild edibles are. Basic first aid in the wilderness, kind of an expanded wilderness first aid, shelter building, all this other stuff that canoeists couldn't really pack with them, but would need to know. So if you're doing a canoe trip all the way, you know, uh, through like I don't know Algonquin Park, maybe that's even a small trip. But like if you're doing like a major river trip as a canoeist, you know it's just like an expanded survival guide, and it was fantastic. Um, so I definitely recommend that one. I still have definitely have a copy of that one. Um, later on in college, I think another one stuck out at me because it's uh, I guess job relevant, but also the fact it was well put together by multiple multiple generations of military people it was called Down but Not Out, and it was basically just like a, a post crash survival guide. <laughs> But it also, it didn't matter how you got to the, the survival situation. It just basically dealt with the survival situation. So um, that was really neat. And it, I, I still have that exact same copy sitting in my bookshelf. Uh, and then the next one, uh, it's probably primitive compared to Alan's collection. But I did actually have my grandpa's original St. John's first aid novel uh, from like early 1900s covered in denim, I think it was. It had gray with a big yeah. iron cross in the front and everything else. Some, some are minor canvas. It's not an iron cross. It's the cross of Amalfi, which is often confused for Maltese cross. Oh, there you go. And I could nerd out on that for for a whole for a whole year, but um, <laughs> yeah, I didn't mind. mind uh, I, have, I have a couple that are denim and a couple that are canvas, and then they and I even have one that's leather, and then they get into the cheaper materials. So okay, what's the difference between a Maltese cross and multi cross? The multi. So the 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 Maltese cross, right? The cross of Malta is the yeah. is the the. Um, the four arms and the eight points that you see in the St. John Ambulance logo. Okay. The Sorry, that's the cross of Amalfi. I'm sorry. That's the cross of Amalfi. The Maltese cross is the one you see on fire department, on fire trucks. And it's the same four arms and eight points, but instead of coming in in the middle, they bow out in the middle. Well, there you go. I just learned something. No, that's, right. the, that's the cross of Malta. And the two of them are really, really closely intertwined and if you ask the Mal if you ask the, the the Maltese people about it then they claim the, the, the Maltese cross uh, their flag is a red Maltese cross um, with the with the eight points instead of the and, you know angles in instead of pointing out and the cross of Amalfi it's it's all incestuous in that part of the world but um, there's a lot of history a lot of wars a lot of battles and 
both countries claim both crosses and both organizations, right? Fire service and St. John Ambulance worldwide claim them both as the Maltese cross when one is really not. Well, Amalfi's is part of it at the Italian coast anyways, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and then my second first aid book that really sticks out to me, I still have a copy of is my industrial first aid book from basically I had a job in college that allowed me, well, it was, it was, uh, the equivalent of Zares in Ontario, same company just called uh, overweighty foods at the time. And they need an industrial first aid attendant. I stuck up my hand or maybe everybody else took two steps back and, uh, I got awarded it. So I still have that big manual where they sent me for the, what is it? Two week course or whatever it was. And yeah, it's pretty good. So it's been a good reference. Um, out the whole time through yep. my, uh, probably is likely the equivalent in Ontario to the uh, to the first responder level yeah um, it, it's definitely a handy one anyway um, so then later on of course uh, just like Alan mentioned the SAS survival manual I ended up picking up the, the giant version not the pocket version and because they sold them in Costco and at the time I was like oh well you know it's pretty mainstream I you know I'm not a crazy prepper for for buying something you can buy in Costco and uh, yeah then they came up with the urban survival manual which was actually a tad more tactical um, but still useful. Um, recommend them both for sure, uh, especially if you get them secondhand. They're they're thick and heavy. Um, yeah. So then my my autism took over with Napster. So early two thousands, uh, Napster was a thing, and at the time, I think it was a uh, Crown versus. Uh, I can't remember who they were going against. But anyways, it came out the basically for a little while in Canada, having a. Uh, a BitTorrent account was the same as having a photocopier in a library. It was not considered illegal as long as you didn't try and resell them. And so these guys were putting out these massive book dumps on the order of gigabytes worth of books that were probably, what, 50, 60 kilobytes per book. <laughs> so <laughs> you can imagine how many books are in these things. So I ended up downloading some of these books, uh, book files that had like 2,000 books in them easy. You know, and you'd have to sit there and you'd actually spend more time sorting through than actually reading the books. And, uh, you know, starting the week from the chaff. And in those things were, you know, a bunch of uh, open source material like the uh, Army FM manuals, like the field manuals and the United States Marine Corps manuals. Then there was like all these Ragnar Benson shelter books and all these other ones. And it was amazing the just volume of knowledge that was there. But, of course, it's all in digital format. So great until something goes horribly wrong. Um, but at the time, because I didn't know any better, I, uh, I actually went all digital for a while. I actually gone down to like just, you know, maybe 20 books on the shelf. And then, um, then I, of course, after the power outage of 2003, and then I learned about EMP thanks to certain books that we're talking about here. Um, I was like, oh, I suppose you should probably print off a few of these. <laughs> 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 so, like, look, there are all these army field manuals that if you, if you, you know, as soon as the, the, the boom goes off in the sky and the EMP goes off and you, you can't access any of them, well, great. I hope your memory is good. But yeah, so obviously over time here, I've kind of, transition back or at least trying to as best I can with the important ones going back to the paper versions um, so again we mentioned the survival medicine handbook um, I happened to get a free copy from Joe Alton and Amy Alton which spurred me on to get other ones of theirs because uh, they're fantastic books um, the staples where there is no doctor and where there is no dentist uh, we got a deal on Amazon mm -hmm. for those ones again because it's one of those things that talks about well what happens if you only have a skate and a rock to, to knock out that tooth with you know castaway style and uh, so there's there's lots of knowledge and actual proper procedures on how to avoid infections and stuff with these books and, you know, field expedient antibiotics or at least antiseptics and everything else. And it's, yeah, it's definitely well worth the read or at least having on hand, try and breeze through it before you actually need it, though, because 
Absolutely. The, the, flip, flip, the time flipping to learn through. a school is not when you need to use <laughs> yeah. Flipping through the book with the bloody hands while you're bleeding arterially is not a good time to figure out. <laughs> you know, it's just like, uh, yeah, anyways, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, and then so my wife has actually got an entire shelf full of like various wild edible books and everything else. And again, it depends on what area of the country you're in as to what books will work best for you. Because like the hardwood forests of Southern Ontario or what's left of them provide different wild edibles than the west coast of bc or whatever right so um trying to find a locally sourced i guess or a locally local specific wild edible book we have tons of those um emergency food storage and survival handbook is actually a title and it's a good one um and then a couple of books by cody lundin that i still have on my shelf uh, one's called when technology fails which is like modern day backups to everyday useful stuff and without any sort of electronics and then the other one's called um uh, when all hell breaks loose, and his last one was keeping your ass above ninety-eight degrees, which is obviously about hypothermia. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> pretty, pretty cool guy. He actually kind of wanders around barefoot through northern Nevada, where it's actually not hot. It's actually like high altitude, kind of alpine desert. Gets below zero. And uh, most of these books are all available to be found on pdfdrive.com, like Alan mentioned, and you can download them and or just view them online. Um, you actually reminded me, Scott, just as you were talking there. One thing I do have paper copies of still, no matter what, and I never throw them out, is the owner's manuals for generators, equipment like the quads, the snowblower, the you know log splitter, whatever you happen to have. Because, again, knowing what spark plug, what fuel or what oil's best, what torque spec, everything, it's like you're not going to memorize all that, right? So, Well, I'm, I'm flattered that you mentioned it because I actually jotted down notes for myself that, oh, yeah, I should mention all the, the manuals for all, all, all my gear so that you know that stuff. Yeah, because it's, it's it's hard to keep track of everything too, right? And so if yeah, especially if you have a digital copy of some of that stuff too, and it, you're at the Canadian Tire, you want to pick up a, a a spark plug for the generator, whatever, you can just look up the digital owner's manual at least, and you can do that as well. But I like to have paper copies too. So well, and you know, one of the the tips I picked up from you guys, I have that manual in a Ziploc bag with the spark plugs for the generator written on it. But you know, it's for this generator, so. <laughs> You know, I can figure this out later. Um, you know, all neatly tucked in. So, uh, Darius mentions he's trying to find a good book for hardwoods in Alberta so I can start hand carving gun stocks. The best book I would recommend there is Finding Somebody That Makes Knives uh, and talks about Alberta hardwoods, which I don't know. I mean, most of them are pine, bop, poplar, or birch. Maybe birch they would use. Birch would be um, part of the poplar, yep. Yeah. yeah, I would say birch would probably be your best bet in Alberta. Uh, but yeah, ask a local knife maker. He'll tell you exactly what to use and, uh, how to dry it and everything else. Like the hardwoods we have, the only one that's any good for that kind of stuff on the West coast is the, the, the sugar leaf maple. Um, the rest of them, like the arbutus one cracks too much and when it dries out and the rest of them are too soft. So, um, yeah, that's a hard go on the West side of the country. Or import oak or maple from, uh, from Ontario. Yeah. If there's any left, I don't know. If there's any left, oh, there's lots. Of, there's lots of oak and lots of maple around. That's for sure. Well, yeah, but you can cut down one of those in the middle of the street. You probably hear about it from the neighbors, right? <laughs> don't make your issues my issues. That's right. A lot easier to find ash these days, unfortunately. Yeah. Sorry, guys. Those gun stars aren't going to carve themselves. Let me get this one down here. Yeah, I actually tried to make uh, some stuff out of the local arbutus here, and I didn't realize how bad it cracks and. Yeah, it just gets, and it's not even straight cracks. The cracks go kind of curvy sideways throughout the whole wood, and it's useless for that. So, hmm. anyway. uh, I'll make one more note of if you have 
if you're if you're looking for one book for everything outdoors, um, I mean, don't just have one book, of course. But if you're going to start with one, the Outdoors Encyclopedia by a guy named Vince Barano uh, is a fantastic resource. I've had a couple of editions. I think I loaned one out at my last one. I would never got back. Um, I forget who I loaned it to. You should never loan something if you want it back, I guess is the, the lesson there. But um, I loaned a copy out, never got it back, but I would I would replace that in a heartbeat. Um, the, the Outdoor Encyclopedia, it, again, you know, that's probably 17 or 1800 pages of um, personal experience from from that from somebody who's spent his entire life outdoors. Uh, very similar to Les Stroud in terms of content, but not necessarily in terms of the, uh, the storytelling. He's not as good. Well, let's bring it to the podcast challenge then. Uh, Our challenge this week, download books if you can. Buy them if you prefer. Printing is always an option. But please gather as much relevant information as you can. While all of these, we have all the unrestricted access to the world's complete compendium of knowledge, uh, the internet's a wonderful place, so let's uh, take advantage of that while we can. Or at least it will be until C10 goes through. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, all right. Upcoming events, Elm? Upcoming events. Um, Radio Amateurs of Canada, or RAC, are putting on a free can-worn course that's coming up. The link is in the show notes. It's one of the few things that's actually happening in this world. Um Join them. It's great, apparently. Yeah, uh, Eric did uh, attend the course, I guess, or yeah, he did, and he said it's basically worth the time. It's only two hours long, and it just teaches you storm recognition, how to report it to the higher ups if you've got a tornado running around your backyard, or anything else. It's, uh, I guess, a good storm watcher course, and it's free. So that's yeah, that's good. Funny enough, uh, probably the day after we were talking about it the last time, I got a note from the search and rescue team saying that um, we were attending it. We could either attend it live, which happened to be on a Thursday afternoon and I couldn't, or it's been recorded, so we'll be doing it in training in the next couple of weeks. So um, apparently it's it's a thing that's making the making its rounds right now. Cool. Uh, yeah, and um, I I took the Can Warren course probably I'm gonna say at least ten years ago, of course pre-COVID, so there was a whole bunch of us in the class, but there were there were a bunch of first responders, all the local fire departments, some of the EMS, some of the ham guys at the time. Um, so I'm I've signed up. I'm going to take it just for a good refresher. And actually, Darius brings up a good point. Uh, Maple Seed has announced its events across the country. So those of you who want to get your Maple Seed Rifleman patch, um, go on mapleseedrifleman.com, I believe is the website, and uh, it lists the events local to you. And for the sake of what, like ninety-five bucks or whatever, it's a full day of instruction. It's a bunch of shooting, earn your patch, and you probably learn some good shooting techniques. I think everybody did that goes to the course. I certainly did. Yeah, it's definitely worth your time. It's again, socially distant, kinda. <laughs> so <laughs> and they can still pull it off as long as the gun ranges are still okay with it. I mean, uh, I think they might have to limit class sizes in certain provinces, but I mean, honestly, it's still a go where we are too. So I should have uh, actually put that in there. Thanks, Darius. And then other than that, uh, I guess that's pretty much it. Deal of the week time. Uh, the only thing I could find that was really like stuck out at me was the uh, Kiapa Little Badger, which is your bare bones basic single shot twenty two uh, survival kind of style gun. Has a half 28 threading on one end, 
for reasons. And uh, lightweight, folds in half, and reliable. And it's 50 bucks off. So it's 179 bucks, which I don't think you're going to find a cheaper one than that. That's at rangeviewsports.ca. And that's it till the end of the week. So you got another, sorry, not the end of this week, meaning today, like the end of next week. So I think it's until Saturday. Uh, other than that, I put the link in the show notes for the drone pilot logbook. I probably should have had it with me to talk about it. But uh, anyways, uh, there is a link in the show notes for that. And shout outs. Nothing for you, Alan? I don't like people enough to shout them out. Fair enough. Let's see here. <laughs> Actually, I'll, ch- I'll change that. I'll change that. I'll, I'll, I'll shout out Ethan if he's listening. Um, he's uh, he's a local listener to me. He's off. Uh, I think he's leaving tomorrow uh, on a great adventure, and I'm insanely jealous of where he's going, what he's doing. Um, he'll be out in your your kind of neighborhood ish, Ian. Um, and uh, yeah. Anyways, if uh, if you are listening, Ethan, I'm, I hate you a little bit, and we'll see you when you get back. Right on. Anybody else? Uh, I'm going to shout out uh, Eric and Rapid Survival because I got some gear from him and I was quite impressed. He told me he sent me free stuff. Yeah, he told me he sent me some stuff. I don't believe him. It hasn't showed up yet. So (laughs) that's why he's not here. Actually, I I did order some stuff from Alan too, or I bought something off Alan that Canada Post. You know, Canada Post. It's on its way. It's slow. Um, yeah, anyways, uh, yeah. I think for you, Scott. Uh, nope, I think that's a good shout out for me. Oh, sorry, yeah, I meant Jeff. But... Nope. Okay. I'm good. That's it. We have to redo the entire show now. Yeah, that's it. Start over. Uh, email <laughs> iTunes reviews. We got one from the Canadian Preppers Network, and he says, "My club has a phone patch on their repeater, which gives with the access codes given to members only." It's an interesting concept. I think we should. Uh, I'm going to talk to the club, to my local club about that. See yeah. if there's a phone patch on the repeater because that would be that would be really handy if the phone if if Rogers goes down you can still make phone calls. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know how it goes. Does it go through like a central like phone server that like the old style ones like for landline? Yeah, I think it connects to an actual land, like a, a land based PBX. Yeah, that's interesting. That would be interesting. That would be yeah. handy. I don't know if you can receive calls in that in that way, but you can uh, you can make them at least. Hmm. You can make them, but. You also have to remember that everybody who has access to that repeater is going to hear your. Uh, oh, absolutely! It's not a single one to one. Not even. It's not even as good as a party line. Yeah. So, so no naughty phone calls. Basically, is what you're saying. <laughs> yeah, no nine hundred numbers. <laughs> oh, that, was, that would be really awkward. <laughs> oh, yeah. Almost as awkward as a politician getting naked in front of a parliamentary uh, Zoom call, huh? Oh. Oh yeah, that happened. Anyway, uh, Scott, you had one as well. Um, apparently from, uh, mailman NB, uh, how do you get a cable through a firewall? Simple. You get your daughter's boyfriend, who's a mechanic to do it. One simple step. So I guess that's all you needed to do, Alan. I, I found a different way. So I didn't have to go through the firewall and I didn't have to extend the cable. Um, I'll shadow dodge, I guess. Cause there's a, there's a, um, a, a little storage well under the floorboard of the back at the back seat. And when I was looking under the truck to figure out how to run this cable, I realized that that well is just, you know, it, it's just a uh, it's just a little piece of formed plastic. So I just popped a hole through there and then saw, um, used some uh, construction adhesive to create a waterproof seal around it afterwards. Beauty. And it turned out to be a really simple way to like just run the run the the cable in and off we go. Nice. Yeah. That was it. Um, 
so with if that's if that's all the all the emails and iTunes reviews we have, let's bring episode one one six of the Canadian Prepper Podcast to an end. You can find the podcast on iTunes, Podbean, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. Please help us out. Submit a review. Helps other people find us. Uh, if you want to reach me, you can find me, Alan, at PrepperPodcast.ca, and that's Alan with one L. And we record these shows live on Facebook and YouTube. If you want an early peek at the shows, please subscribe to the YouTube channel, Canadian Prepper Podcast, and click the notifications tab. It gives you an alert when we're going live. If you want to contact me, you can uh, send it generically through feedback at PrepperPodcast.ca. Uh, I also agree with the gray man approach and feedback at prepperpodcast.ca <laughs> works just fine. Hypothetically, these guys can find me. Yeah, well, you're still on a list, man. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> he works for the government. He is the list. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> he has access to them anyway. So, all right. Uh, if you want to reach Gia directly, you can email me at, at theislandretreat at gmail.com because screw the gray man theory. And on Gab at the Island Retreat. Um, you can also find me on Canadian Patriot Podcast on iTunes and YouTube. Uh, let's see here. And in the Discord group, Canadian Patriot Podcast. Email us if you want an invite. It's a fun little group, uh, pretty salty content for sure. Uh, there you can find us discussing why government waste in society makes me hoard paperbacks. Anyway, best, best to come up right. without Eric here. Uh, thanks for joining <laughs> us. Until next time, be prepared, stay safe. And keep learning. <laughs> <laughs>